This is the World Innovators Podcast with your host, Donna Peterson. I have a question to ask everyone. Why don't companies want to get the most out of their marketing dollars or spend? Now, this is a question I've been thinking a lot about lately. And today, I am excited to be talking with Joanne Persico, who is the president of One Count. And her and I are going to have this conversation to really kind of uncover that question and get some answers about why don't companies do it, but what they could to get the most out of their marketing spend. But before I get started, my name is Donna Peterson, and you are listening to the World Innovators Podcast, where I talk to innovators all over the world about their businesses, their marketing trends and techniques, what's working, what's not working, especially right now in the current climate. So let's get started. Good morning, Joanne. Good morning, Donna. How are you today? I'm doing great, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. Oh, good. Yeah, it's a great day. It's sunny here. It must be sunny there in Florida, correct? It is. It is. It's 84 degrees. It's beautiful. Oh, my goodness. Happy to be here. Good, good, good. Well, let's just jump in. You heard my first question about why don't companies want to get the most out of their marketing spend? And you and I have talked about one of the reasons they're not getting all they're using all their marketing dollars is because they like to keep things in separate silos. And so I know you can help us out with that. Why is it important that companies stop doing that? Well, I think it's an important point that you, that you pointed out here is that historically all of this data sits in separate silos. Imagine, let's paint this picture together. Your CRM data, uh, your prospects, your leads sit into your CRM. You have data, web data that sits in the CMS. Your emails, your opens, your clicks sits in an ESP, in an email system. Your transactions sit in an e-commerce system. So just imagine you have all of these touch points, all of this data, and historically, they all sat in separate silos and in separate systems. And not only did they sit in separate systems, but people people managing the data or owners of the data sit in entirely different departments. Yes. So it's something that, you know, by choice, they historically inherited by having all of this. So, you know, why is this so important to connect all the dots? You know, at the end of the day, if you can connect all your data and put it into one ecosystem, you know, this will enable marketers, this will enable every single person on your team, whether it's sales, whether it's marketing, business development, management, can really look at the insights and activate the data the way that they want to activate it. Yeah. And it's so important. And I've seen it where I've gone into publishing companies and each magazine will keep their information separate. Or like you were just talking about, we've all heard about marketing and sales working together, but you saw the companies where marketing's over here and they're doing their thing. Sales is over here and they're doing their thing, but no one is really coming together to talk. And that knowledge that they could learn from all the divisions coming together, it, it's, it's priceless because- it, Yes. 
because that's where a company then can get the most out of their marketing spend. But so many of them still keep everything in these separate places. And if they would put it together, they could utilize it more. Well, the, the other thing too, is this tech stack keeps growing. If you think about it, there's channels that we never had years ago, right? Now you have SMS channels, right? You have social channels. You have, you know, the, the number of channels have grown. So that means the tech stack has grown and all of these systems now are, you know, just adding on, adding on, adding on, which has created this disparate, you know, ecosystem. And so about five years ago, um, the concept of a customer data platform, other no, otherwise known as a CDP, came on the scene. And this big promise was, we're going to connect all your data silos, we're going to connect all your systems, so that marketers will now have access to real-time data. And people are like, oh my God, this is the holy grail, right? Yes. I can now get holistic, holistic 360 degree view of my customers. <laughs> Absolutely, you know? And it's like, oh my God, this is, this is unbelievable. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, if you don't know your customer, right, how they're engaging with you, what they're interacting with, what content they're consuming, what they're clicking on, right? Right now, this all sits in disparate systems so that you, you know, this promise of creating this holistic view is the, the, the opportunities are endless. Okay. And, you know, I think, especially since COVID hit, I've seen a bigger push towards quality and building relationships. And so in order for a brand to really do a quality marketing campaign and build a relationship with anyone, they have to know their target audience. You know, because, and the more they build the brand, the more they have the trust. And the only way to get all that knowledge is like what you're talking about, bring it all together so that you know, okay, wait, did they open up, you know, this email? Did they download this, you know, white paper or did they sign up for the webinar? And that could be across all departments. Or if you're exactly. a publisher, you know, did you sign up for XYZ magazine? But did they also sign up, subscribe to this magazine? And that information is important right now more than ever. Absolutely. You know, the thing, the thing about what you just described is really knowing the who, the what, the where, the when, the how. And right now, Google, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, all those companies do. Yeah. And it's like, why shouldn't brands and companies have that same, the same power? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think by knowing the customer, you're going to be able to do that relevant, that relevant targeting. Cause you mentioned right now, you know, what are the channels that they're engaging with? Are they clicking on a newsletter? Are they signing up? You know, where are they coming in? So right now, as you mentioned, all of those things sit in separate analytics, separate systems. And, you know, the biggest thing, like people will say to us, well, Joanne, I know who reads our publication. I, but I have no idea who they are online. Right. And, and it's, and I'm like, you're, you're absolutely right. Google analytics only tells you the, how many it doesn't tell you who they are. So knowing the who and where they are in that customer journey really can enable you to tailor and personalize your messaging and your outreach, knowing all that information. And I, I mean, I it builds it, trust. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, it's just no, I was going to say, I, I read an article last night about Excel, Excel spreadsheets. 
you know, where is it going to go? Is it going to evolve to help people? But so many companies do still do a lot with Excel spreadsheets. You know, each individual sales rep might have an Excel spreadsheet that he holds, but that's never put into a system where they can get value out of that information. And so, yeah, that is true. I mean, you know, it's amazing. We work with very large companies and they'll say, oh, Joanne, I'm in marketing. My event people will not share their data with me. I want to know, did they attend an event in the last year? Did they attend a webinar in the last 30 days? And, it's, and they don't even want to share that data. And I'm like, well, wait a second, you guys all work for the same company. And, you know, and people are afraid that too much outreach, too much, too much, you know, too many messages, uh, you know, people are going to opt out. Oh my God, I'm going to have list fatigue and all of these different things. And, um, you know, there are people who are protective of the data. And like you said, they'll keep it in their own Excel spreadsheets. But, but, but ultimately if- the companies that win are the ones who say, no, we have to have this holistic view of our customer, no matter where they are within our, within our ecosystem. Well, because also if they have that holistic view, they're able to curtail the messaging or the offerings to the individual that they really want. And that's where you are really building that trust, which then leads to the relationship. And if you get a relationship with your, you know, what do you want to call customer or client, they become a customer of yours for the rest of your life. You know. I, could, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think that's why companies, some really amazing brands uh, that we all know, Nike, uh, Ford, they have really spent the time and the money and the, you know, collecting all this data, but then really saying, let's look at how our customers are interacting with us. I, I work with customers and they're saying, Joanne, you know, email, we, we email uh, and, you know, and I'm like, okay, that's great. So what happens when someone doesn't open or click or engage in any of your emails? And they're like, that's true. And they I'm like, well, we more. have to- <laughs> They well, send yes, more emails. You're right. <laughs> they call you, they call you and they get more lists. They get more lists and they call Donna, you know? And I'm like, well, wait, wait a second. We have to be able to target and segment these people with using different actions. So what if when they came to the website and now you're serving them a personalized pop-up or interstitial, inviting them to attend the webinar, or maybe you're targeting them with an ad, or maybe you're retargeting them socially. You have to use multiple tactics in order to reach your customer. I constantly hear the saying, you have to reach the right person at the right time with the right message. And I'm like, oh gosh, do I hear the saying one more time? But it's so true. It is. The more you can do that, the more people will engage with you and your brands and create the trust, create the, it creates transparency. It's a win-win yeah. for everybody. Yeah. It's funny when you just said that, because every time I go to write something, I don't want to say right person, right time, right place. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, again, but you're, you're right. It has to be the right person, you know, at the right time. And the only way to find out, but you also said the knowledge you get from having all your data not only is it the right person, the right time, right place, but it's with the right information that they need at that time. And yes, we're, yeah, we're a big proponent of using very specific, small groups of people versus spreading a big net. You know, gone are those days of, you know, let's do 100,000 emails and send it out and hope for the best. And no, that's not working anymore. Yeah, I think the quantity versus quality is really coming up more. I think we were on our bowl mine mixer together, and I think you said it 
so beautifully. You know, we're not just targeting audiences, we're targeting ideal audiences. And I love when you said that because that is so true. If you can get the cream of the crop and you can determine who those ideal audiences are, you know, when they are engaging, are they engaging in content? Is it a podcast? Is it a webinar? Is it a blog? Right. You want to be able to have that personalized one to one communications or conversations with them at that time, which which in turn creates that amazing community that we're that we were just talking about. And, And I heard something recently. It says, don't love your product or your service. Love your ideal customer. And so that goes back to that giving, you know, I'm a big proponent. Don't always be selling, selling, offer something, offer something out of education, offer a a tidbit, you know, like maybe you've heard something about your industry that you really think people should share that with them. Don't always be plummeting people with sales messages because that shows your ideal audience that you do care about them and what's happening. Yeah. And ultimately you're solving their problem, right? You don't even have to talk. I mean, I don't, we don't even talk about one count. A lot of the times we just talk about what are their, what are their problems? What are they trying to solve? We've been working with companies, our company turned 25 years this year. And so top working with so many different types of companies, you hear the challenges that they have and you don't even have to be sales. It's like, wow, well, if we could solve that challenge, God, if that team only had access to the data 24 seven, they're like, you could do that. It's like, yeah, that can be done. You know, solve the problem, solve the challenges. And um, no, I agree. I agree hundred percent. See, that's important that you, you should tell us a little bit more about one count, because I think what I always hear from companies is they feel like they're not big enough to have access to a platform that can help them do everything. You know, people think that it's only the really large corporations that can do that. And I'm like, no, that's not the case. You know, every size company can use a platform like this. And all that's gonna do is really help your company grow probably faster than it would have Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. We do hear that quite a bit is, oh, we're just too small. Our data is so small. And, you know, we only have so many records. And it's like, well, wait, let's just step back for a second. It was so funny. I was at a conference and a a gentleman who was speaking says, well, you know, we help sell, connect buyers and sellers and they're selling a power plant. All they have to do is buy one power plant. Their list can be a thousand people, but if they buy one, and I was like, you know, that is so true. People think, well, I have to have huge amount of traffic or I have to have huge yeah. amount of names. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you're right, Donna. It's absolutely, you're absolutely right on the money here because whether you're small or large or medium sized, you need to invest. You need to invest. I always say, if you don't have the data-driven insights, how can you make better business decisions and data-driven decisions if it's all in different places? So whether yes. small or large, I think you're right. Really, it's time to invest in something like this or get on the path to doing this. You know, maybe if it's just too expensive, think about how can you bridge these systems so that you do have a unified view. And um, I agree. 
Uh, I, I think of my father when you don't be penny wise, pound foolish, he would always say. And in this case, you know, it's the same thing. When you go to look at a platform like one count, you got to say to yourself, well, why do I want this? And so, so companies will say, oh, well, it'll be good because we'll bring everything together. But why do you want this? And as you go through and you ask the why a few times, like probably six or seven times, I think what they'll find is they'll uncover that the why is they really have to in order to grow at the scale they want to, you know? So even if, Definitely. You, are, yeah, even if you are a small company right now, we, the whole reason you went into business is to grow and to offer your services or products to the world. Well, if you want to do that, the only way to do that is if you're able to bring it into a platform and know, really, really know your audience. Absolutely. I mean, the other thing too, like what has made us a little bit different than standing out from other uh, CDPs is we built a robust, a robust toolkit that's incorporated into one count. So when you talk about meeting with the different departments and we ask the why, they're like, well, I'm using, you know, editorial may say, oh, I'm, or our content provider, content people may say, well, I'm using Chartbeat and Parsley because oh, I want to know, you know, who is reading my content. Then you ask the marketers, oh, all right, well, we're using HubSpot or Eloqua or Marketo and Pardot. And, and, and our problem is if someone clicks on an email, we have no idea where they went to the website, what they, you know, they went to the website, but what did they do after that? So you kind of uncover all of these different problems when you ask each of the different divisions, you know, what is it ultimately that you're trying to solve? Right, right. So now what is your feeling about gated content versus ungated content? Because I was asked this question recently. Well, I, you know, I think gated content and not gated content is a, either a yes or a no. I mean, it really comes down to what type of business you're in. So for example, we have customers who say, Joanne, we, we're definitely not going to gate content. And I ask, well, why, why? And when they talk about how they sell impressions and page views and traffic, and, you know, they have to meet certain thresholds in their metrics, you know, of course, a gate could create friction and they're looking for high numbers, right? They're looking for high numbers and maybe for a business case, gating is not a right solution for them. But then we work with other companies where they need lead generation. They need demand gen. They need names. They want demographics. They want richer data. So how do you do that? So with a gating, when you're gating a site or in, we, use, uh, we do content metering. So some of our clients will use that tactic where it's like, okay, we'll let you read three articles. On the fourth article, though, we want to know who you are. Yes. So that's a great way of growing your audience um, and, and, you know, if you are doing demand gen or lead gen, or even advertisers or sponsors are looking for that information, then gating is a great opportunity to collect that information. But can't one count, I could be wrong here. Can't your platform, even if it's an ungated piece of material, find out if that person is reading it? Yes. 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 We're marrying behavior, intent, content consumption back to an individual. So even if they've never registered, for example, because like we, we do identity resolution, we do a lot of different tactics, identifying a person and creating, a, converting an unknown visitor to an identified user. So just imagine now, maybe they've never registered, they went to a gated section of the site, but we've identified them because they clicked on a link in an email. 
And now we know, oh, wait a second, this is Donna Peterson, who is actually looking at this content. We can allow them instant access to a gated piece of content by knowing who it is. Yeah. And so it eliminates all that friction. Well, think about how valuable that is. You know, you're not asking them to give up anything, which people are so nervous about these days, you know, giving out their email address. You know, we all get so many emails. But if you're able to offer that ungated material, but you're also able to find out who these people are. Oh, it's huge. That, that, is, that is very huge. So interesting. Now, my next question for you is, I know you mentioned recently you were talking with an association who is looking at your platform. And I found it very interesting to find out that the association wasn't really segmenting their file at all. And so they were keeping students with professionals, which, you know, that's a whole, you know, how do you market to those people? Yeah, this is a challenge that we're absolutely solving for them because all of their data just sits in their different systems. And, and they're not tying that back to the web visitor. They're not tying it back to the specific email clicks and they're not tying it back to an individual identity. And, and so you're right, that's exactly what happens. Uh, they don't, this will certainly fix this, but just imagine a student comes onto a web, onto their association site, they're looking at career content. They're, they may have never registered before and they may not even know if this is a student or an alumni or a scientist or what have you. So now this person is looking at career content, job boards, right? So this is indicating that they're a, a student. So yes. just imagine now you could tailor that experience by saying, let's put them in a segment and then let's invite them to you know, a webinar that's gonna talk about how to grow their careers and what have you. And yeah, that's the problem is the, the data right now for them sits in all these different silos. And by us being able to marry all of it, they'll be able to create those rich segments to say, great, let's target a, a scientist or, you know, they even have uh, women scientists. And they're like, Joanne, this would be fantastic. If we know that there are women, we have a women's uh, conference yeah. that comes up in the fall. We can target and segment those women scientists uh, directly with a personalized messaging. Right? Yeah. And yeah, it's ex they're excited about it. Yeah, well, this gets back to our previous question about you know companies, if maybe they're smaller and they're like, oh, well, we really don't need that platform now. In this case, with this association, not segmenting it and analyzing the people and what they're reacting to, this association could grow immensely if they directed content for a student in one type of, you know what I mean? Like whatever they- Oh, absolutely. To totally different than a professional who's in the association, you know? This, yeah, I agree a hundred percent. But if you think yeah. about this, 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 what we're discussing works across all businesses, yes. whether you're B2B, direct to consumer. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because just think about it. If you have uh, parents, if you have a website that's tailoring products towards parents or right. new homeowners, for example, Right? You have to know, is this someone who just recently purchased a home or is this someone who already has purchased their home 10 years ago and maybe they're looking for refinancing? Because how you target that person is to be very differently than if that's a brand new you know, homeowner, a very first time homeowner. Yeah. Yeah. So this really relates to anyone. At the end of the day, you really need to know who your audiences are, yeah. how are they engaging yeah. with you, yes. you know, looking at all the insights and the dashboards to say, wow, this is our relationship with this person. 
And what are we going to do with it? And that's hard to do unless you find a platform to utilize like yourself, because even in our company, you know, people would say to me, oh, well, what are you using? And, and I used to say years ago, I used to say the same thing that other person, oh, I know who our customers are. But the yeah, thing is, and the more I dug into it, though, nah, maybe I don't, you know, I really didn't know everything about them. And once you start to do that, you really are able to change your offering so that it resonates better with them. And uh, if it's my customers and I know more about them, I'm able to offer to show, show them that love, you know. Oh, absolutely. The other thing too is sometimes people will say, well, Joanne, we, we think we know our customers and we've developed machine learning and, and artificial intelligence in our platform that actually um, gives them more information that they may not have known, known about, right? Because our, our algorithms can look at demographics, content consumption, you know, page views, right? Our algorithms look at all different things. And sometimes we actually say, wow, did you realize you actually had an audience of X? They're like, well, yeah. we had absolutely no idea. <laughs> you know, oh my gosh, we can say with these yes. people. Oh, and it's amazing. So, you know, it's not even uh, sure, you know, you, people want to know those customers, but sometimes they just don't because there's so much vast data that it's systems like a CDP that have that, that, you know, machine learning and things like that, that can really help a customer, help a business define these are highly engaged audiences. Yes. These are engaged. These are audiences that are not engaging whatsoever. Or these are people who are engaging your, in your emails, but they never come to your website or they yeah. never, you know, it's really marrying all the channels yeah. and the devices and all of that together. Yeah. And it's very interesting because then also you'll have the people who maybe they interact on your website and everything, but they never would be interested in your product or service. So it's, it's all very interesting, but I don't want to hold you all day. You and I, I think, could talk all day about everything. <laughs> but what would be three tips you sure. would give a B2B specific niche company, you know, to grow? To grow audience, you mean? Yes. Sure, sure. Well, grow in general. Um, <laughs> well, I think one good tip is, is uh, content is king, right? Everyone talks about content being king. If you really want to grow audiences, I think by creating more engaging content, webinars, podcasts like this, yes. you know, really looking at your assets very closely to say, how can we, you know, accumulate this so that either we can, you know, gate content so we can grow audience and get more names, you know, that would be one instance. One of the uh, tactics that we'll tell customers is, hey, you know, if you have a new uh, newsletter, do a free sign up. Yeah. Allow them to sign up to a newsletter or create a resource library where all of your all of your white papers, your research, you know, unique content sits there, sits you know in a in a in a in a area of your site. And then allow them to download that. But of course, collect the information, collect their demographics, what their interests are so that you're growing audience. Yeah. So that, that, that's certainly one tip. I think the second tip would be create communities. Mm -hmm. I, think you, I, think, I think a perfect example of this is uh, we've both created our own communities, right? You have your world innovators community. Yes. And I started uh, 57 weeks ago, the Goldmine Virtual Mixer, 
Yes. And created a community of executives, CEOs, sales, marketing people, all industry colleagues. And we come together to share insights, challenges, ideas. And it really created this really powerful casual, well, you called it a casual think tank, which yeah. I just love that. I just love that. Well, you know, well, it, well, it is, you know, it's, it's very casual and all of us are just talking about maybe a project we have or a, something a client had asked. And it's wonderful to have that kind of a resource in such a friendly atmosphere. So congratulations for starting that community for us all. Thank, thank you so much. So by creating all these, you know, specific niche communities grows audiences, right? Yes. Because then there are always people. And that's why, you know, during COVID people are like, oh, wow, there's knitting clubs. And there's quilting clubs and gardening clubs, like all COVID really started defining a lot of these different uh, communities of people who are like-minded. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I, I, I think that would be certainly a great tip. I think tip number three, we absolutely talked about this during our session here, but I, I think connecting the dots would be the third tip because it, if all of this information sits in different places, you're really not going to leverage what you're not going to save time. You're not going to save money. You really are not going to leverage the information and the data that you have. And I, I think doing that will certainly grow audiences because then you could discover more about your audiences right. because now it, as it is an all in, it is an all in one place. Yeah. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. I don't know if you ever read the book fanocracy, it's by, yes. oh, you have, oh, good, good, good. So, so, you know, when you're talking about communities and like-minded people, and sometimes it could be like-minded people out of our specific industry. So I love to ski. I'm a big downhill skier, but it's funny because now, and I also play golf when it comes, gets warmer. So now I'm talking to clients about golf or we're talking about skiing. Like, did you go out West? Where did you ski in the East? You know, it helps back to building a relationship with these people. It also makes the work day a little bit more enjoyable. If we're not just always like talking about, you know, B2B marketing or marketing, you have something else, but we've, we've kind of made a community. You know, we have a fan, you know, we have a fan base. So I totally agree with what you're saying there. Yeah. I got to see David uh, speak uh, about fanocracy at two different conferences <sighs> and his examples of fanocracy is incredible. Yes. And the way he describes it in his book is incredible and in person is incredible. For, so first of all, number one, when you're golfing, you come down to South Florida because <laughs> I love to golf and there's a million golf courses. <laughs> around where I live, number one. Um, so, uh, but no, I uh, truly, I think, you know, creating uh, communities is certainly a great way to grow audiences. Yeah, it, it definitely, it, well, like I said, it just makes it more enjoyable. It also creates that quality because I think when, let's say you and I are out on the golf course, you know, and, and you start to go, it's, we'll have a quality conversation. You know, we're not just going to be like, oh, well, we do this and this is B2B marketing and you'll say this is my platform. You know, we'll be like, oh, OK, you know, we're on hold, too. And what do you think about, you know, so it's just you dive deeper in getting to know the person. And then when you get to know the person, the relationship forms and then everyone benefits from it. You know, I think David Meerman's got a big thing about that when everyone comes together as a fan group. 
everyone within yes. the group, but everyone around those people on the outside benefit from it. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And I think with COVID too, this really created all of the challenges because all those events, right? You were just talking about in person, right? We're, on the, we're in our golf cart. We're, yeah. we're go, or we're going to the 19th green to have our cocktail, right? That's an in-person, right? You can't, and with COVID, with all events being canceled, yeah. what, what happened? Everyone had to go to Zoom to formats like this and create and try to replicate an event, which just doesn't happen. But yeah. I think things have gotten better with breakout rooms and there's a speed date. I mean, there's all new technology. Again, yeah. there's new uh, technologies that are, making those interconnections but right now they're virtually but the good news is that uh, that's all coming back for in-person yeah. events are coming back and now hybrid events are here to stay yeah that's, it's that's a be, whole separate a webinar that's a whole separate podcast that's a style. separate podcast if we got into that we could talk about that till you know so let me finish up with my last fun question as you know i am huge into health and fitness and I think health and fitness, as we all know, has to be done consistently. You know, we can't work out on Monday, do a five mile run and say, I'm done for the week. You know, you're better off doing 20 minutes every day. Well, marketing and data analysts, same thing. It has to be done consistently. So yes. what does Joanne do to keep yourself energized? And do you feel it parlays into your work at one count? Sure, sure. Well, personally, for me personally, um, living in South Florida, I, I live in a gated community. So I have the tennis courts and I play pickleball with the family. And I have uh, that. I think that just energizes uh, you emotionally, spiritually, um, uh, mentally. But personal, uh, professionally, I've actually uh, have been on Clubhouse. And uh, for me, being able to be in the rooms in the clubhouse rooms i go on to the marketing rooms and also there's another breakout there's another club that's the millionaire um the millionaire secrets club and so just the fact that you're able to and goes back to communities just the fact yes. that you can go in and speak with other millionaires other business owners entrepreneurs yeah, yeah. And here, you know, their secrets to success and how they did it and what were their struggles and how, you know, it's just, for me, I get off every call. I'm like, God, that was so inspiring. <laughs> oh my gosh, I got to DM this person, right? And now That's you're starting it. to I make all these connections. <laughs> oh, and it's, it, you know, people say, oh, it's very addicting. I'm like, yes, it can be addicting, but you have to, I just do it at certain times at the end of the day or in the beginning of the yeah. day, uh, because it is uh, very much. You know, here you're now built this amazing community has been brought together uh, and you're just listening to the audio and, and people are so willing to share. So that inspires me. And then the parlays to one count because I'm like, oh, wow, I'm going to DM that person. And sure enough, I'm now having conversations with these people or potentially have a call this afternoon at two o'clock and nice. it's leading to business for one count. But it inspires me personally. Um, yeah. And professionally. Yeah, but see, I feel, you know, we're only living if we're learning, you know? So if you, if Clubhouse helps you see those different areas, I think it's wonderful. You no, know, I'll be outside, I'll be doing gardening or what have you, and I'm just listening in. Um, I think it's a neat format, but there's, there, you know, it's just whatever, whatever works for you. But the thing is, like you said, it's all about education. There's so much content out there. It's just a matter of finding, you know, 
and, and joining and being engaged with something that you passionately love. And I yeah. think both of us, for both of us, we're both business owners, yes. both running our companies as, as females. So I, I think there's a, a just huge opportunities. And, and I'm I, so glad I had a chance to be with you today. Oh, uh, good, good, good. Well, it's, I want, one of the main reasons for the podcast is I think quality. We need to get out and talk about those quality channels and platforms and lists to use. And, you know, there's a lot of other negative conversations <laughs> going out up there. So we need to just speak up more. So I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you, Donna. Thank you. And I, I think, you know, doing your world innovators podcast, I think has, you know, I think I just, it's, it's a fantastic forum to educate your audiences, educate customers. And I, I think this is a fantastic format. So thank you so Thanks. much and um, more topics to come. Oh yeah. We'll have to pick up that in-person hybrid virtual event thing at another time. So sure. thank you very thank much. Thank you so much. Talk to thank you, you Don. Bye. Same here. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the World Innovators Podcast. For more information about today's topic, email us at dpeterson at worldinnovators.com or call 860-210-8088. And please make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a future episode.